gifts that you have bestowed on each and every person that's in this building on tonight. And thank you, God, that we use these gifts to bring you glory, God, to bring you honor. And thank you, God, that we can be faithful, God, over what you have given us with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, God, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us that live, but it's Christ that lives in us. And I thank you for the word, God, that's going to go forth tonight. And I thank you, God, that as the word is taught on tonight, Father God, people's hearts are open and receptive to receive it. God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Is everybody finished? Is there anybody with a test? I don't want to be giving out answers. <laughs> Praise Jesus. We've been talking about the spiritual gifts, and I'm going to go over briefly what we have went over so far. And I pray that what we have went over, it has helped each individual that's in the room to know somewhat um, dealing with the gifts that um, we have. I haven't went over all of them, but some I have. Um, I talked about what are spiritual gifts, and we know that they are special God-empowered abilities that God gives to each follower of Jesus Christ to, um, in order to equip them to serve him in the body of Christ. So we know that what we have, these spiritual gifts, they are um, given to us um, as followers of Jesus Christ to do the work of God in the body of Christ. I just gave you another total different definition, but I feel like all of us get the point. I went to 1 Peter 4.10, and out the expanded version, it says, Each of you have received a gift to use to serve others. So the gift that we have received is to serve others, is to benefit others in the body of Christ. These gifts are not for us to go out and do like we want to do with the gift. It's to serve others in the body of Christ. And it says to be servants, stewards, managers of God's various gifts of grace. So we see that these gifts, they're called gifts of grace because God has given us these gifts, not by how good we are or how uh, much we can do, but he has bestowed grace on each and every one of us. That's his favor that he has given us that we didn't have to earn, we didn't have to work for. So everybody in the body of Christ has a gift. Let me go back to um, where we were before. Um, we talked about being faithful over these gifts that God has given us. Whatever God has given you, you need to be faithful over that gift. You don't need to look at that gift like it's not important, but we want to be faithful. We use 1 Corinthians um, 4.2, talked about now in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable, stewards, household managers, must show that they are worthy of that trust, found to be faithful. So whatever gift God has given you, you just don't throw that gift aside. you found to be faithful in that gift. You're trustworthy. You can um, manage what God has given you, and you manage it well through the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it by yourself. I gave you a scripture, Luke 16, verses 1 and 2. It talks about um, a rich man who um, had given somebody 
the right to manage what he had given them. And we see what happened with his management, and we see what he done to correct what he was doing. So we have to be found faithful. We just cannot look at what we have as just nothing. We want to be found faithful. We want to be a, a faithful steward over what God has given us. I also had given you um, Luke 19, dealing with the talents. We went over that. Some was given five, some was given two, and one was given one. Everybody was accountable for the gift that God had given or the talent. And we know the one that was given five, he earned five more. The one that was given two earned two more. The one that was given one, what did he do? He hid that gift. So we want to be found faithful, you know, when he returned on what he has given us. So we talked about that, and we know that everything is done to who? To the glory of God. It is not um, based upon us. It's based upon him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Now where I'm going, we talked about Romans 12, verse 1 through 5, last Tuesday. And what we talked about in Romans 12 was this. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, this is Paul that's speaking, that he said, I beg of you in the view of all the mercies of God to make a distinctive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members um, and faculties as living sacrifices, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable um, service and spiritual worship. So what Paul was saying here is, before we get into the motivational gifts, he said, this is how you're supposed to present yourself. We present our bodies this way because of the mercies of God, because of the mercy that God has given us. None of us deserved it, but God gave it to us through his grace. So when we know the mercy of God and what God done for us, we can present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That means that we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart unto God. So we, as members in the body of Christ, this is how we're supposed to present ourselves um, before God. What a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto who? Unto God, first and foremost. If you present yourself set apart, dedicated unto God for his service, then guess what's going to happen? When we come together, it's not going to be hard for us to do it in the body of Christ. It has to start, first of all, with God. If you start out with God, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, and you're doing this, set apart and holy, because of what God has done for you. This comes through having a relationship with him. It comes through spending time with God. The more time we spend with him, then that's how we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, as a, a um, body that's set apart, holy and acceptable unto him. This is our reasonable service. This is our act of worship. Before we even um, go into the motivational gifts, this is how we should be. We should present ourselves. How do we do it? By knowing what God has done for us. And when we know what God has done for us, this is the life that we're going to live in front of others. How do we know this? By spending time with God. That next verse tells us that be not conformed to this world. 
So if we're presenting ourselves unto God as a living sacrifice, setting ourselves apart as being holy, guess what? Dedicating ourselves to the service of God, that means that we are not being conformed to this world. Conform means to be adapted to what the world does. When you are set apart, you don't look like the world. You look totally different. You're not um, doing what the world does because you're from another kingdom. You're from the kingdom of God. So the world should see you set apart. They should see you differently from them. Why? Because you made your body a living sacrifice, holy and set apart unto God. Because you have come to know that the mercies of God, what God have done for you through his son. So it ain't hard for you to do this. I think it's hard for us to do it is because we have not realized what God has done for us. That next verse says, how do we do this? By being transformed, by being changed. How do we do this? By the renewing of our mind. The more you go into the word of God and know who you are now that you're in Christ, this is how you're going to present yourself. It's not a hard task. The more you go into the word of God and renew your mind, change comes. There is a change and it is evident. You don't have to make yourself be that way. That's just the way you live because you present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice because you know what God has done for you. The more time you spend with God, the time that you're spending with God is being spent in his word. If I'm going into his word and I'm looking into that spiritual mirror, I'm recognizing that it's no longer me that's living. The life that I'm living is the life that I'm living of Christ and not of myself. I've been crucified. I have died with Christ. So when I go out Side, people are going to see me as who I am in Christ because that's how I carry myself. Now, sometimes people don't see it. It's because when you don't know who you are, you're not going to present yourself um, by being who you are in Christ. You're going to present yourself by who you are in the world. Why? Because you're being conformed to the world. But once you find out who you are in Christ, that's how you present yourself, not only to God, but to others as a living sacrifice set apart. And once you know verse 1 and verse 2, guess what? Before we even get into the motivational gifts, I like that third verse that says, For I say through the grace given unto me. Look at Paul here. Paul is saying, I'm only saying these things to you because I know the grace that has been given unto me. Paul knew this grace that was given unto him. He knew the gift that was given unto him. Um, from God so what Paul was doing he was exhorted them through what was given unto him he said through the grace that's given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think we have some people in the body of Christ that think that they're better than other people and this is what Paul is saying here you cannot think of yourself more highly than you should think because God has given all of us the same measure of faith. So we don't be looking at each individually differently because all of us have the same measure of faith. So Paul is saying, don't get proud. He said, don't get proud because you are functioning in this gift and somebody's functioning in another gift and you think you're better than the one that's functioning in that gift. That's not how it's supposed to work. So he made this clear. He said, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. So all of us in this room have been dealt the same measure of faith. But God gives us these gifts according to the ability um, that's, in the, that's in us. So God, he bestows this grace upon us. And as he bestowed upon us, we got to operate accordingly to what God has given us. We cannot operate any differently outside of what he has given us. So then he goes on to say, for as we have many members in one body, all of us in here are many members, but we make up one body, and that's the body of Christ. Get it now. All of us in here are many members, but we make up one body. We are many members, but we make up one body. And what I want you to picture is seeing Christ right here as one body. But in that one body is many members. I said this last time. Isn't this powerful? It takes many members to make up one body, which is Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? So can you imagine everybody all over the world is many members, but it's made up of that one body? That means that we're supposed to be united. That means we're supposed to be coming together because we're doing what Christ have already done. So we have to make up that one body. So we have many members that make up that one body, and all members have not the same office, the same function. Even though we make up that one body, we don't have the same function. Everybody have a different function in the body of Christ, but we're making up that one body. Why is it like that? Because when Christ walked the earth, he did many functions. Christ did those many functions. But now that he's gone, he has left this with the body of Christ. So that's why we have many members that make up what? One body. But we have different functions. So we being many are one body in Christ. And every one member one of another. So each of us make up that one body. But we're dependent on each other. This is the problem. Some people in the body of Christ thinks that one member is more important to others. That's not so. Everybody has a function in the body of Christ. That's why it's so important that you know your function and don't get upset because somebody may have another function and you don't have that function. All of us make up one body. That's what we have to look at, that one body, which is Jesus Christ. We're here to do what he has set us in the body to do so that body can function the way it needs to function. Amen? All of us need each other. So never think that you're not needed. I had one person um, years ago to tell me when God put them in a place, they ain't where they wanted to be. They don't think that they should have been in that place. They don't feel like they were important being in that place. They wasn't, they wasn't like they wasn't seen being in that place. But God know the place that you fit in the body of Christ. And we have to put you in that place that you fit. Because if you're in a place that you don't fit, you will mess up the function. It would be chaos there. So that's why we have to know where we fit. And if we know where we fit, we don't have a problem staying there. 
You won't be moving all over the place. We got so many people that's moving all over the place and giving up different places because they feel like, well, I don't want to do that no more. That's not how it happens in the body of Christ. So we talked about um, um, we making up the body of Christ. And then verse 6 says, and then gifts differing according to the grace. So we have gifts that's differing. Everybody has a different function in the body of Christ, but God gives us that according to grace. And then we talked about prophecy, prophecy slash perceiver. And that's where I'm going back tonight. And please, if go back over the teaching and I'm going to give you the characteristics of a perceiver. And as I give you those characteristics, if you fall in those categories, then that means that you could be a perceiver. But I want you to understand this. That doesn't mean you're a prophet. Okay? That does not mean that you're a prophet. You can be a perceiver, but that does not mean that you're um, up under the call of a prophet. I want you to understand that. Um, When I went over perceiver, we talked about the different characteristics of a perceiver, but I'm just going to give you the definition first, and then I'll go back through it. Okay, let's talk about the motivational gifts first. That's where I'm going. There are seven motivational gifts. These are the gifts that God has built into us, made part of us to be used for the benefit of others and for his glory. These are the gifts that God has built into us, made part of us to be used for the benefits of others and for his glory. These gifts that I'm going over, actually before you were even thought about, before you even come forth out of the womb, before you were even born again, these are some of the gifts that you were functioning in. I went over um, when I was growing up and I was telling y'all how I um, love to serve and other things that I love to do, um, being a perceiver, some of those characteristics, um, I fell in line with being a perceiver, being an administrator, All of these gifts I had and did not understand um, what to do with them. Um, I'll give you some um, dealing with the perceiver. You might be in that category when you were growing up. You know, black was black, white was white. There was no gray areas. You know, you always bought correction no matter if people didn't like you. you. You probably had that when you was growing up and didn't understand why am I this way. You always opened your mouth when you should have kept your mouth shut. You didn't know how to shut up. You always gave your opinion when nobody didn't want to hear your opinion. You were always in something when you shouldn't have been in something, but you say, I got to tell it if I burst. But those are some of the things you may have operated in when you were growing up and did not understand that they were already there, a part of you, to put you in a place as you got older That determined really some of your destiny, what you should be doing in life. And some of us didn't see those things. So let's talk about that perceiver. It is quickly and accurately identifies good and evil and hates evil. That's what a perceiver does. The perceiver views people or situations as either in the will of God or out of the will of God. They look at it as either that situation is in the will of God or it's out of the will of God. They ain't going in between. It got to be either or. There is no such thing as sort of in the will of God or partly in the will of God. 
Not to be perfectly in the will of God is to be out of the will of God. They look at it exactly like it is. They don't compromise. They have an intense hatred for evil. That's what a perceiver does. Now, I'm going to go over some characteristics, and I may have said them, but I'm going to say them again. One, sees everything as either black or white. They see it as black or they see it as white. Ain't no in-between. It is what it is. That's just what it is. They're not going to change their mind. This is how they see it. This is what they say. They're not going to change. They quickly and accurately identifies good and evil and hates evil. I said that. Easily perceives the character of individuals and groups. A perceiver can walk in the room and they can easily distinguish between the character of what's in that room. And I gave you an example of how um, I would walk in a room and I said, uh, that ain't right. And didn't even know what was going on. A perceiver can feel out that room and know that room is not right right then and right there. And then another thing is encourages repentance that produce good fruit. A perceiver will encourage repentance that produce good fruit. And one that I gave you was John the Baptist. He told them in Matthew 3, 8, bring forth therefore fruits meant for repentance. He saw their lifestyle was not adding up with what they was bringing forth. And that's what a perceiver does. If someone says that they're saved, that they're born again, and they're around a perceiver and they're seeing their lifestyle, they'll go back to them and say, look, you got to check the way that you're living. It don't line up with what you're saying. They're going to tell you exactly how they feel and not trying to um, judge anybody. They're going to come in with the truth. A perceiver is going to always bring truth because they love truth. They hate evil. So then another thing that they do um, has only a few or no close friends. A perceiver might not have friends, have a few, but they don't have no close friends. Um, it's Frank. The outspoken grieves deeply over the sins of others is eager to see his own blind spots and to help others with theirs. So a perceiver sees themselves and is ready to correct their themselves first and then to help others bring corrections to others desires to be obedient to God at all costs. So a perceiver is going to carry those characteristics. If you fall in that, one thing about a perceiver, I'm going to tell you this. A perceiver loves the word of God. A perceiver is going to stick to the word of God. A perceiver is not going to go outside of what the word says. If you're hanging around a perceiver and you're doing something you ain't got no business doing, they're going to tell you. you doing what you know ain't right because this is what the word says. They're going to be bold with it. A perceiver is not going to sit there and hang with a friend and know that a friend is fornicating and applauding them for them fornicating. They, the friend telling them what they're doing and they sitting there not saying nothing. You ain't no perceiver because the perceiver hates sin. They're not going to sit there and try to justify what you're doing to keep you as a friend. That's why a perceiver don't have friends because they're going to tell you what you're doing is not right. So if you don't have friends, I'll put it this way. Some people don't have them because they don't show themselves friendly. <laughs> and some people don't have them is because Wrong is wrong, right is right. That's how they see it. This is just how perceivers see it. So we went over John the Baptist, and we saw how he come at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
You can find that in Matthew 3, verse 7, and Matthew um, 3, verse 8. You can go back through John the Baptist's life, and you can see that he was truly a perceiver. John also told what was Herod about him um, having his brother's wife, and it was not right. So he spoke truth. He didn't go outside of truth. And that's what a perceiver does. A perceiver is not going outside of truth. And I'm going to tell you something. When you um, come up on a perceiver, some people try to duck and dodge them. Because they know, oh, oh, here they come. They always got something to say. And even if you ain't saying nothing, when you pull up, they're going to say, they said it. And they're not even there. So that's just how you're looked at. Now, we talked about Jesus as well in Matthew 21, 12 through 13. Remember, they were um, selling stuff in the temple and doing stuff they shouldn't do. And what did Jesus do? He overturned those tables in that temple. He overturned those. So Jesus was setting things in order the way they should be. And John 14, um, um, 6 says, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus always came with truth. So we know that he was a perceiver. Next one I want to talk about is the ministering um, gift. Um, that's the uh, serving gift, and it's also the gift of help. It's called ministering, serving, and helps. And when you look at the word helps, you can get it out of 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight, 28, um, and I'm putting that in there too. So I'm going to give you the characteristics of a server. Now remember this. These gifts can butt heads in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you got a perceiver and a server together, let's say the server think they're a perceiver and the perceiver think they're a server, you got a hot mess. You got to know your function in the body of Christ. If you know your function in the body of Christ, you will stay in your lane. You will not try to do anything outside of what God has given you to do. And, and this is the thing I want you to know. If you are a perceiver, like I said, it's not going to be hard to function in that. Nobody don't have to tell you it's a part of you. This is just what you do. And I want to encourage perceivers. Do not let nobody make you feel like this is what you shouldn't have said. I have so many people say, you shouldn't have said that. And I don't change it. Because if this is how God tell me to bring it, you don't tell me what I should say or what I shouldn't say. If I look at sin and it's sin and I know it's sin and people want to continue in sin, I'm leaving you right where you at and walking out after I done told you. Did that consider me as a mean person? No. It tells you John the Baptist called it just like it was. We got too many people trying to set down perceivers because that's not the way I would do it. Okay, no, it's not the way you would do it because God didn't give you what he gave me. So you need to stay out of my lane. A perceiver is very outspoken. They will speak truth in love, but they're not going to back off what they do. Some of y'all back off what you do because you're trying to keep friends. You're supposed to be serving God and not man. When you please God, you will make even your enemies your footstool. Your enemies will, have, will come to have peace with you when you're pleasing God. So this is why we don't look to that. Whatever gift God has given you, don't come off that gift because you're trying to make friends. You don't do that. So whatever you do, you do it. It's normal to you. It, it's become a part of you. This next gift I want to talk about is serving. And that's like a, a, a ministering gift. 
It's the hands of the body. The perceiver is the eye of the body. Remember, we're making up, what, one body. So the perceivers are the eyes. They see it, they call it. Now, the um, server is the hands of the body. They're concerned with serving and meeting the needs of others. That's what a server does. The server is the hands of the body. They are concerned with serving and meeting the needs of others. Now, let me give you the characteristics of a servant. Let's see if you fit this bill. Easily recognize practical needs and is quick to meet them. What do I mean by that? When you got a server in the body of Christ, a one that helps, they um, see the need and they're ready to meet that need. And it's easy for them outside of what they have. Whatever the need is in the body of Christ, they're the first one to show up to meet that need. And sometimes they won't even um, know, let people know what they do or how they do it. They just do it because it's a part of them. Um, when we were growing up, uh, I always loved to serve people. And I guess um, being around a minister, that was part of him. He loved to serve others outside of himself. As long as everybody else had, he was okay. So when I was brought up, that's what I did, serving others. It was a part of me. Let me tell you how you can identify a server very well, let's say, in the body of Christ. When we have functions, the ones that's always quick to dive in there and get it done, and then you have others just sitting around watching you. There ain't no server. A server is quick to get it done. All of us should serve in the body of Christ, even if you don't have that gift, that motivational gift, you should be willing to give a helping hand. But a server is just going to dive in there without anybody telling them. That's part of their nature. I know in the body of Christ, people tell me, sit down, apostle. You don't need to be doing that. But it's a part of me. I'm going to do it because that's what's a part of me. Whatever's a part of you, nobody have to tell you what to do. So I'm, I'm going to help some breathe on tonight. Some of you have been diving in and didn't want to. You don't have a, a motivation to do it. It's because that's not your motivational gift. When you have a motivational gift to serve, you're going to dive in there and you're just going to do it. Nobody has to ask you to do it. You're going to dive in there and do it because that's a part of you. That's a desire and you have joy in doing it. And these motivational gifts, it brings you joy. It don't bring disappointment. If you are operating somewhere in the body of Christ and it's bringing you disappointment and you're talking about it more than you're doing it, sit down. That's not you. If you're always complaining and murmuring, why we have to do this? Why I have to sit it down? Because there's no joy. There's, you don't have no motivation in doing it. A motivational gift, God has given you grace for that gift. And you're motivated just to fall right in place with that gift without anybody telling you what to do. You just jump in and you do it. So then another characteristic is enjoys manual projects, jobs, and functions. What am I saying about that? Cooking is, is um, these different functions with serving. is cooking. It could be sewing. It could be gardening. It could be fixing things. A server may have different functions that they do. They, they, they'll fix things, that's serving. They love sewing, they love cooking. It's a lot that they love doing. They just want to help. That's what a server do. A server just say, I'm here to help and with whatever you need for me to help with. And guess what? God anointed them for that. So they're, they're willing to do it. But people that are not 
um, gifted for that, they'll sit there and watch you sweat and everything else and just sit there and watch. And let me tell you something. The ones with this serving gift don't get mad and wonder why they're not helping you. Because that's just not their gift. But, let me say it again, even though it's not their gift, everybody in the body of Christ is supposed to have a willing heart. Right? So who would be born again seeing people trying to get stuff done and they just sitting there running their mouth and not doing nothing? What's up with that? Something's wrong, isn't it? So guess what happens, servers, the ones that's really serving? You know what happens? That's when the fruit of the spirit begin to well up in you. <laughs> and you show love in the midst of that hot kitchen. And they waiting on you to fix their plate. Where the chicken? I ain't getting no bread. You didn't give me nothing to drink. Hey, hey, hey. Did you forget I was sitting here? Now, if you got that gift of serving, God is going to give you the grace to deal with them attitudes. Whatever you do, he's going to give you the grace to do it. Now, don't be slamming down no pot. I heard you the first time. Can't you wait or get it, get it yourself? One thing about a gift of serving, I'm going to give you men a hint. Men and women. If I have the gift of serving... It's not just in the body of Christ. It's going to be at home. Honey, do I have the gift of serving? My husband don't have to ask me to fix his plate. I fix his plate. And if I don't fix his plate, y'all, this is funny. You know, sometimes it's not because I don't want to. Maybe we're just sitting there and the food is laid out in front of us. My daughter had the audacity. That's what she told me. I'm sitting there and... My husband right beside me, so the only thing he got to do this time is reach over and put it in the plate. You know, because it's in front of him. My daughter say, Ma, uh, why you ain't fix daddy's plate? <laughs> I had to wait on the fruit. <laughs> I did. Fruit wasn't coming up too quick. Because I'm looking at the table, I'm like, well, there go the screen beans, there go the chicken, there go... And you know what this girl had a nerve to say before I can answer? You fixing everybody else's. Hold up, hold up, child. Wait, just one minute. No, baby, I ain't fixing everybody else's. They passing the plates because some food on this end and some food on that end. Let me get to the point. She know that's what I do. So she's reminding me, making sure her daddy eats. So what gifts does she have? <laughs> Perceiver. She calling me out. And she ain't changed her mind after I told her either. She still come back with the same thing. You always fix this plate. Woo, girl. <laughs> she looking out for her daddy. So this is what I'm saying. I have to do it at home first before I can come and show myself up in here. I have to do what I do at home first. So he knows this is what I do. So women, let me tell you something. Men, if your women is not serving you well at home, don't look for them to serve you in church. 
because they ain't going to do it. They're going to wait on you to bring them a plate. You, you the server. Now, any man, every man don't have to be Ahab either because you might have some men that's just servers. They love serving others. So they come and sit down, baby. Here go your plate. They're doing it from the heart. That don't mean they're Ahab. That's just part of what they do. But everybody else might be looking at, what's up with that? But don't be disturbed by that. So we have servers that should do this at home. And if you do it at home and you do it so well at home, when you get out amongst others, it's not a hard task. You're going to be the first to jump up and say, I got it. I'll do it. No problem. And you don't have a problem with it. And then another thing about servers keeps everything in order. Cannot stand clutter, dirt, is a detailed person with a good memory. Let's go back to keeps everything in order first. They can't stand clutter. They can't stand dirt. I'll give y'all an example. I use myself. I don't want to hit nobody else. If I come out here, my husband know how I am at home. I don't like dirt. If I come out here in this ministry and I sit in my office, I don't even have to... uh, try to go around and check stuff, I know if something is out of order and supposed to be in place. So that's what a server does. They don't like stuff to be disorganized. They don't like dirt. They don't like clutter. They always trying to find something to do. You all, and that aunt back there, that Shirley Jordan, I never forget what granddaddy would say. That child, if you put down a glass and ain't through with it yet, you turn around, it is gone. And you wonder where the glass went. She done washed it. She done put it up. You haven't even got through with drinking. And then she have a nerve to come back and say, were you through with that? <laughs> yes, she would. Because granddaddy would always say, don't leave nothing out for Shirley. You'll never find it. Because she was a server. She always was willing to serve others. That's her, that's her motivational gift. That's an important gift in the body of Christ. She always wanted to make sure that others were served. Even if she got on people's nerves, she did that. That was a motivational gift. And then another thing is a detailed person with a good memory. Now, uh, a server, they have their, their detail. If they file something, they know where to go where they filed it. They got a good memory of birthdays, of different occasions. They always keep up with those things. They're very detailed. That's what a server does. And then enjoys showing hospitality. They always want to make sure people are comfortable. Can I get you this or can I get you that? Is, is everything okay? And another one that I can look at in the body of Christ as a server is Phyllis Meyer. She makes sure everything is organized. She don't want you to help her with it. She say, you're better off just leaving it right there. I'll handle it later. You can tell a server because they always have things organized. They always have things together. Another one is at L. No, back there. They always make sure that things are, they show in hospitality. Miss Mary, she show hospitality. She's a server. I know my server's in the house. You have to make them sit down sometimes. Sit down. No, we can handle that because they're always used to doing. They always want to make sure things are done. So that's what servers do. And we'll stay with something until it's complete. They will not leave that task until it is complete. Another thing is, has a hard time saying no to request for help. A hard time saying no. They won't bother nobody. They'll try to just do it by themselves. But they have a hard time saying no. When somebody asks them to help, 
Yeah, I do it. Yeah, I do it. Yeah, I do it. Remember I told you about Sister Denise? Yeah, I do it. Yeah, I help you. Yeah, I do it. It was always yes. Had a hard time saying no. Um, it's more interested in meeting the needs of others than their own needs. A server look um, at helping other people more than they look at their own needs. They put other people before they put themselves. Enjoys working on immediate goals rather than long-range goals. Let me explain that. I say I got another server back there, Pamela Bannum. Can't get mad, girl. Got to get glad. <laughs> you ain't going to work me to death. I, thank you, Holy Ghost. I had to remember this with Pam back there. We had a family reunion one year, and uh, it was like a get-together, family get-together. And I think she organized it that year. She was making sure everything was like it's supposed to be, running all over the place. Next thing I know, Pam got missing. I, somebody say, Pam needs you. I said, where is she at? Pam in the house hot. Heat got her. Had to call the ambulance. She was running around so much for everybody else, i never forget it. But she wasn't too drained to say she needed some prayer. <laughs> She needed some help. So I go, she in the floor, but got her out there. Ain't do nothing but send her back. Um, but she wanted to help everybody. No, I got this. No, I got this. But guess what? The heat got her because she didn't want no help from that. It was true. She, y'all know what we do when we have that, that motivational gift. We just keep going and going and going. We, we just think we can just conquer everything. That's the server. Shows love for others in deeds and action more than words. A server will show love in what they do more than words. They are always there to do it. You know, you can count on them. They will always be there. Needs to feel appreciated. A server want to feel appreciated. Um, Tends to do more than asked to do. Has a high energy level. Yes, they do. They keep moving just like an energizer. They just keep going, 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 and supports others who are in leadership. So that's what a server do. They're going to support others that's in leadership. So I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, a server, this is just um, something that they do. You know, sometimes servers may complain when they get overwhelmed, but they still do what they have to do. They don't come out of that mode of doing. So if you're a server and you see people around you and, and you constantly doing, 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 and they're not even offering their help, you have to look at it this way. Okay, they're not where I am. They don't do what I do. Just pray for them. Because even though they don't do what you do in the body of Christ, we still should offer help. You'll see that server step out there more than anybody, but the body of Christ should be willing to help each other. If the love of God is there, how can you walk out on a brother or sister that's there accomplishing a task and you see that they're accomplishing that task and you just go home like, I'm tired. They're not tired. So everybody's supposed to be um, have that love of God in them to help outside of how you feel. And the love of God will help you to help. Amen. And that's what helps you with these gifts is his love. So let's give scripture on it. Matthew 20, 28. This is what Jesus said. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, served, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So Jesus came to serve. That's what he came to do, to serve, you know, to help others, to be a help. And, y'all, that's how we have to see it. Know what your gift is. And if you know what your gift is, you're not going to be in somebody else's lane. Know that whatever gift that you have is not least. It's just important as any other gift because we're making up one body, y'all. So I think some of us see some people doing something and we think we're supposed to be doing it. No, you don't. Because that's not you. They're going to function better in that than you would. You may be there trying to help them, but you cannot do it the way that they do it because God did not anoint you. He did not give you the grace for that. So stay out other people's lanes. So then there go Jesus in Luke 10. I love this one, y'all. Mary and Martha. Look at what happened with Martha in 1040, chapter 10, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was a server. She was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, she was serving. Where was Mary? She was at his feet getting the word. So Martha was upset because she was at the feet getting the word, and Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was serving, and I'm going to tell you, in order to serve, you do have to be in the word of God. So just because you're a server, and, and that's a part of you, it takes the word of God to continually do what you do. With whatever gift that you have, it takes the word of God. But what Martha was doing, she was putting that over getting into the word, and you cannot do that. You have to have the word to do what you do. Whatever gift you have outside of the word, you're not going to be able to function in that gift the way you need to. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you. And the Holy Spirit empowers you by, through the word of God. So the more you get into the word of God, some people think this. Because I have this gift, I don't have to read the Bible. Because that's just who I am. I beg you to differ. Your gift going to be stale. It ain't going to bring life. It's not going to help the body of Christ the way it need to help the body of Christ. Because you think that you okay because you got a gift and everybody wants you because of that gift. You too proud. You think you better than everybody else. And it's not going to happen. So this is why he was telling Martha, you are troubled about many things. Martha, you serve well. But Mary found what was needful for her. So get off Mary. Mary is at my feet getting the word. And as Mary get the word, she can help you in serving in a better way. So it takes the word, y'all, to do what we do in the body of Christ. So look at Matthew 8, 14 through 15. This is um, Peter's mother-in-law when she was sick with the fever. And after Jesus had healed her, the Bible says she got up and ministered unto them. That means she waited on them. She had that gift of serving. So after she got up off of her sick bed, she went right back to what she was doing. So, y'all, I'm telling you, the word of God is so good, and the word will show us ourselves. That's why we need to be in the word so we will know what our gifts are. And then we can operate in those gifts accordingly. And then Acts 6, verse 2 through 3. This is dealing with the deacons, y'all. When we look at deacons, they're like what? Servers. 
Um, they minister to the body of Christ. They help in whatever area they can help in. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, we got some good deacons. Whatever need to be done, they do it. They don't complain. They get it done. And that's what a server does. Because when you operate in that gift, you multitask. You do things that, um, you know, other people don't look at that need to be done. You see it and you do it. You're always there to do it. So if we have any service in the body of Christ, don't look at yourself as one of the least. Because you help out the body. Remember the servers are the hands. The perceiver is the eye. We're going to go with the rest of the body to let you know where you are. And if you fit there, that's where you need to stay. You don't need to be trying to do something that you, you shouldn't be doing because it messes up the body of Christ. It brings division. Like my husband was saying, he was a jack of all trades. See, he was dealing with the motivational gifts because your motivational gifts actually lead up to your ministry gifts. When you're motivated in the body of Christ to serve, to be a perceiver, whatever that gift may be, guess what? When you get into that gift that Christ have left for the body to mature the body of Christ, to, um, you know, to be in there to teach them or do whatever Christ left us to do, then you'll see those gifts in operation, those motivational gifts through the ministry gifts. So it all ties into one. But let me read you this. I thought this was um, helpful. I'm looking at a, um, a game that was played. Listen at this. This is what the perceiver said. Now, this is a baseball game. This is what the perceiver said after the game. We played the worst game of our lives. We really had to work on our batting. We had to have bat we have to have batting practice tomorrow. What did that perceiver do? That perceiver came in and told just like it was what the problem was. Now listen what the ruler said. Let's get this equipment picked up. These bats, pick up those bases. <laughs> A ruler, right? Look at the servants. They got busy picking up the trash in the dugout. They knew they, their position. The teachers, they were making sure they got a copy of the stats, the score sheets, the exhorters. Hey, guys, we'll get them next year. That's what an exhorter do. They encourage. Listen what Mercy do. Puts his arm around the guy who struck out and lost the game and is walking out in left field, hands him a lifesaver. <laughs> That's Mercy. Now listen what the giver do. Hey, guys, let's all go get pizza. Hey, my treat. Did not everybody fit? That's what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to give you another one. God has purposely limited and focused our giftness so that we must work together and remain dependent on each other. Remember this now. These gifts in the body of Christ is for us to depend on each other, not just one person. Listen what happens. There were six blind men who went to see an elephant. Six blind men. They went to see an elephant. None of them could see, right? One felt the side and said an elephant is like a wall. The next felt the tusk and claimed an elephant is like a spear. The third felt the trunk and likened it to a snake. The fourth felt a leg and said an elephant is like a tree. The fifth touched an ear, declaring an elephant is like a fan. The sixth felt the tail and insisted an elephant is like a rope. No one was altogether right, yet neither was he entirely wrong. 
It was only when they got on, got all their observations together, they saw the whole elephant. So what am I saying to y'all? The body of Christ is tore up. When you know what you're supposed to be doing, you ain't going to be jealous over what somebody else is doing. You ain't going to be talking about your brother and sister. You're going to be there to help your brother and sister. You're going to know what their gifts are, and you're not going to try to tell them. You shouldn't have said this. Now, there is a way we say things. We speak truth and love, but a perceiver is going to come hardcore. They're going to say exactly what it is, and, you know, we don't went through all of that. So when you know who you are, first of all, knowing who you are in Christ and who you belong to and all of that good stuff, you ain't going to have a problem with working together. You're gonna, we're going to have encouragers in the body of Christ when things don't look right. The um, Apostle Cross, she's an encourager. She's always an encourager, but she's a perceiver too. She'll tell you exactly how it is. She's a seer. So everybody have these gifts in the body of Christ. And that's why God has given you the fivefold. The fivefold is the ones that equip you. The ones that um, come in and, and get you ready for ministry. But dealing with that fivefold, some of them, you know, they were perceivers. They showed mercy, compassion. And let me tell you this. A pastor can be a perceiver. Don't mean that they're a prophet. But they, they just tell you how it is. They take that word and they just bring it out there, but they give you compassion and love. So don't just think because you're a perceiver, you're a prophet. That don't mean that. So we're going to go over more of these gifts so you know where you fit in the body of Christ. And then when somebody is all up on you, say, look, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. This ain't your lane. So this is what we do. We're here to help one another. We don't, and, and another thing, don't throw your gift down because you think somebody else's gift is better. Some people got their gifts laying dormant in the body of Christ because that's not what they want to do. But that's what God has given you to do. Don't be ashamed of what God gave you to do. It um, ushers their servers. When you see those ushers at that door, what are they doing? They're serving others. When you see them picking up those fans, you don't have to tell El no ushers what to do. Because they do it. And it's already done. Is that not true? So they're servers. So you got to know what position you hold. And when you stay in that position, you're not worrying about um, what somebody else doing. Let me give you another example. Thea Lofton, back there in the sound room. Would you say Athea and Gloria are servers? Why? They make sure, Athea, are y'all servers? In a way, they are servers, right? But would you say they have the gift of serving? Y'all say yes? In a way, I say no. They serve far as in the audio department. They ain't going outside that audio department. A server's all over the place. Thank you. When have y'all seen Athea anywhere else except in that audio department or sometime back there in that kitchen and she don't look like she fit? Because most of the time when she back there, she back there running her mouth while somebody else is doing the cleaning. Is that not right? Oh, but she's one that's perfectionist now. She want to make sure. See, I know my, my um, people. She may be back there, but she ain't all over the place. 
That sound room is her place. See, you got to know your place. She's serving, but she don't have that gift of serving. Do you, Athea? Come up here and give us an example, and we're going to close. See, you got to know where people fit. I'm not a server. <laughs> I, I remember when we were young, my Uncle Jeremiah used to, and they stayed not far from us, Pam's dad, and he used to come up to the house, and he would always ask my sister for a cold glass of water. And he never asked me, because I always sat there, and I was like, look, you got two hands and two feet, go get it yourself. <laughs> you know, and when people do, my sister, she fixes her husband his plate. And, you know, my mom used to fix my dad his plate, but now she said, if I can cook it, he can get it himself. You know, but I look at it like, and maybe, you know, if I get married, I'll need some, some, some help. Because I feel like this, this here. You got two hands and two feet. If I can cook it, you can get it yourself. She so. need help, y'all. <laughs> then you need help. Y'all see now, if, if she ain't part of the serving ministry. Althea ain't. Amen. So know where you fit. Know where you fit in the body of Christ, y'all. And that's what we're going to talk about. We got five more of the motivational gifts. And I believe that when we get through this, people will know where they fit and come out of where they don't belong. Amen? Do we have any announcements?